Hello, and welcome to Cinema Guano, the movie podcast where all the films are bat poop crazy. I'm Greg Pizzino, your host. With me today and every day, author and journalist Krista K. Cober. Hello, everyone. Uh, we've also got Meow Scott Tully right here on the table next to us. We put up the uh, bigger poker table so we'd have a little uh, more space, and she is loving that. Today's guests, uh, once again, friends of the show, Kim Gray, Aaron Isaac. <laughs> Hello. Honestly, I can't think of anybody else I'd really want to do this movie with. Damn right. Like, I feel like this is an appropriate movie for you guys. The, oh, the, no. The yeah. me? Yeah. Spe especially her, but, I mean, it's me, so I'm no, all about None of us has it. actually seen this one. Oh, this um, is going to be exciting. Yeah, but this is this is one that I've, I've been wanting to see for a while, and um, so we are watching Shock Treatment, the... Uh, well, it is official, but it is a uh, not exact sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> and uh, oh, I've been watching this for years at this point and never gotten around to it. I have been told by reputable sources, like people that you know I was in film school with. Oh, I thought or like you know uh, horror dorks and. I thought you, know. you were gonna put a quotation marks around that, like no, reputable, no. like people people whose whose who's judgment I trust. All right, I guess. That this is superior to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Is it, uh, first of all? Is it, fuck though? You. <laughs> is it, I, though? We'll find out. Yeah, I guess we will. Um, now, whether that is in terms of actual production quality and the music, or whether that is in terms of the actual film itself, the, the, the story, I don't know. Well, because it sounds more bonkers than Rocky Horror. But, I mean, if we're talking in, like, film quality... Yeah, it could totally be. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, that's a pretty low bar. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of the point. That's fair. That's yeah, okay. no. <laughs> um, so it came out in nineteen eighty-one, the year I was born. Okay, how about that? Wow, it's it's old. Uh, Is it in color? Well, they like they started talking about it in nineteen seventy-eight, making this movie. I mean, that's not that's not a long distance between development and no, no, and they, they initially started talking about it. After Rocky Horror was a commercial flop, and then it got its cult status, then all of a sudden Richard O'Brien was like, ooh, we should do another movie based on that. Well, hell yeah. <laughs> um, and this was the actual third um, iteration of this script. Like, okay. And, and all the stories were kind of different. Yeah. So the original story was going to be um, Rocky and Dr. Frank were ra uh, raised from the dead. Uh Scott or Dr. Scott and Brad were now in a gay relationship and Janet was about to have um, was about to have Dr. Frank's baby. Yes. Yeah. I would watch that. That's pretty bonkers. And then um Riff Raff and Magenta come back from space to kill Dr. Frank a second time. <laughs> it just didn't stick. It just didn't stick. Jim Sharman, who did a lot of music, was not really keen on on doing kind of a similar story. And Tim Curry wasn't really big on doing Dr. Frank again. He was like, I don't know. Aw. So, I don't blame him, but at the same time, like, it makes me so sad. Uh, yeah, he was fantastic. So then oh. the, the second story they came up with was pretty pretty similar to what, what happens in this one, where it's very television-oriented. Mm. Um, and they kind of credit this with sort of foreseeing reality TV to a certain degree. Wow. Um, but it was going to be... Um, why Jim didn't Curry. they warn anyone? <sighs> you could have saved us all, you fools! Sounded like a good idea. Foolish fools. Right. Um, Tim Curry was going to play the villain in this, but the villain in this is Brad's evil twin. And so Tim Curry would have to play both the villain and Brad, and he didn't feel confident in his American accent, so he passed. Oh. Which is why but, Tim Curry's not in this movie. Oh. But I feel like the chief problem would be he would have to be you know, Brad, and then he would have to be Tim Curry at the same time, and Brad as a character is just not up to the standards of being Tim Curry. Uh, I would be fascinated to see that. Oh, no, it'd be great. the person who did Frankenfurter then do Brad. Yeah. Because yeah. um, that's some range. Yeah. Um, so then what, what ended up happening was they were going to shoot this movie in Denton, Texas, because that's the name of the town yes. in the movie. They're going to shoot it in the actual Denton. Then the SAG strike that year happened. So, they, oh. so no American actors could act in an American-filmed oh. production. So they had to move it over to the UK. But there were no UK cities 
that could pass for an American small town. Yeah, no. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> so they came uh, up with the idea of turning Denton into one giant TV studio. So the entire town is the studio. I have to give it to everybody for creativity on this one. Yeah, that's actually pretty brilliant. <laughs> like, they, they took some lemons and, you know, they, they made some lemonade, I guess. Or uh, set well, them on fire and threw them at life. Right. Or electrocuted them, well, whatever. And then they get over to the UK, and then they're worried that the SAG strike is going to end, and they're going to have to fulfill their contracts over in the US and go back over there and film what they had originally planned to do. Oh, man. That sounds... In the UK. That uh, sounds like a mess. So, uh, so this makes me think that they just, like, hurried production as fast as possible. Because, kind of. yeah, they're like, shit, get it done so we don't have to pay people twice. Yeah, I of. mean, sounds like the solution is a tried-and-true uh, UK trick of just, oh, we've built this in the UK? Well, let's just steal the theater. Uh, so, uh, replacing um, Susan Sarandon, who... Uh, would have done the movie, but asked for too much money because she was famous at that point. She right. Was in actual movies. She was like a real actress yeah. now. <laughs> um, is Jessica Harper, who you will recognize from Phantom of the Paradise and Suspiria. I'm so excited. Oh, man, this is going to be yeah. great. Um, who was in this movie because she impressed the, the casting directors with her singing skills. Yeah, like, okay. We, the, no. and, yeah. And we know she can sing. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. And this, I think, was actually her first movie right after Phantom of the Paradise. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Cliff Young, who was a Broadway actor... Uh, is playing Brad. That name is familiar to me, yes. Yeah. I, I okay. initially mistook it for Dennis DeYoung, and I was like, oh, the guy from the 80s band? No. Like, <laughs> no, no, not, uh, not quite. <laughs> no, wow. No. <laughs> Singing, yes. 80s band, no. Uh, I did a rock opera, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. It's not the same. Not quite the same. I, I mean, I, you know what? I'll take him, too. Yeah, That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Mr. Yeah, Roboto not appearing in this film. Aww. <laughs> Um, but much of the other, the rest of the cast uh, is in here. Patricia Quinn is in here. Uh, Richard O'Brien is back in. Um, the oh the so the the originally one of the characters was going to be Doctor Scott again, but the actor who played him didn't want to play him, so he became a new character. Yeah, and there are a couple. Of the, there's only one actor who is in the movie that is playing his original role, though. The the groom at the beginning of Rocky beginning of Rocky Horror. He is the only one playing the same character. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh wow. Yeah. What a character to like, look, we want you to reprise this nameless well, groom. No, he does have a name. No, he has oh. a name. Oh, oh yeah, it's like it. Harry or no, something. I can't think of it now. We'll get back to it. Oh, man. Tim's thinking. Let me think about it. How, how many Smurfs does he smash in oh, this Ralph. movie? Ralph Hapshack. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mrs. Ralph Hapshack. Yeah. Yep. Um, his wife is his the, the, the character Betty. of his wife, Betty. Yes. She is one of the main characters in this movie. Oh, that I'm, I'm, okay. I'm so excited to know more about these people. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Charles Gray's character, the criminologist, I was gonna is ask. an actual character in this. I was going to ask if he was in it. Yes. Mostly because we share a last name, so I, I don't know if we're related or not. If, if the descriptions I've read are correct, he and Betty are, are like mystery partners, kind of, in this movie. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They're so. Scooby-Doo? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They're Scooby doing. That's amazing. Yeah, it's the criminologist and Betty. See, when you said mystery partners, my mind went in an entirely (laughs) different direction. (laughs) Uh, So, Chris is going to go ahead and read the uh, box here in its very, very tiny print. It is very tiny. The musical Madness and Mayhem continue in this sumptuous sequel, in quotes, to the Rocky Horror Picture Show on DVD for the first time ever. In the continuing adventure of Brad and Janet Majors, Cliff DeYoung, and Jessica Harper, their suburban hometown, Denton, USA, Denton, USA. That's it. They're they're not actually in a state. It's nope. fine. They're their own nope. state. It's Washington, D.C. It's an incorporated territory. It's kind of weird. Don't worry about it. Uh, it's been transformed into a giant TV studio where the brainwashed citizens remain happily glued to an endless series of soap operas, variety acts, and game shows. But before you can say, we'll be right back after this, the station's unscrupulous sponsor has locked Brad up in a mental hospital and recruited Janet to be the sexy star of her own hit show. Stay tuned for a shocking lineup of maniacal characters, biting satire, and all-out fun. Question, uh, is this from the Criterion Collection? <laughs> oh, I don't believe it is. Oh, no. Oh, wow. They're mi- they missed out. I thought out. that was becoming a rule on this show. Uh, I will say uh, Richard O'Brien looks way creepier on the cover of this movie oh, than he does. I haven't oh. even seen the. Oh, my God. What happened to you? <laughs> oh, 
No. I. It looks <laughs> like a horror. No. It looks like a rotting tomato had sex with another rotting tomato. <laughs> And also had but bad like, eyesight. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, not the glasses. But, like, not gentle sex, either. Well, and the and the tagline on the bottom is great, too. Yes, trust me, I'm a doctor. No. No, no I, I don't no, trust you at all. No. All right, I, on, on that note, you guys got any uh, expectations or comments or anything? Oh, my God, I'm just really excited. I, I hope they have, like, the CD available for this, right? This is on Spotify. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. All right. Oh, yeah, I, I haven't looked, but... I did go through and listen to the soundtrack Okay. Uh, a couple weeks ago, yeah. Awesome. Um, the soundtrack is a lot more, almost kind of like a 60s pop vibe. Okay. Weird. I'm good with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Let's That's do right. this it's thing. It's a lot poppier than Rocky Horror is. Yeah. yeah. The pictures it's showing on the back are very Rocky Horror aesthetic, but more streamlined. Yeah, they, they look kind of, um, like some of the pictures almost make me think Rocky Horror meets Clue. Almost, yeah. Yeah. Huh, let me see. That's... Oh, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so they're all... Yeah, sure. How to make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, maybe that's what people were talking about when they told me this was I a mean, superior film to... Yeah. I'm it's like, oh, you actually learned how. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. But honestly, I mean, the plot does not sound enticing to me. No. If it weren't, hey, this is the sequel... In quotes, to Rocky oh, Horror. No, if this were a regular, like, look at us making a weird movie, it'd be like, this is... That yeah, sounds like a weird movie. Yeah. yeah? It okay. needed to be from the 50s, and... I guess Truman Show-ish, but... Kind of, like, I suspect this is going to be a lot more surreal than Rocky Horror Picture Show. Probably, just because the setting itself yeah. is already yeah. surprisingly like, more surreal than they the They turn a town the into a TV mansion. show? Right. Huh? Well, that's there's... even weirder than the mansion. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, well, you know, there's only one way to find out, so let's watch this thing. All right, well, we're going to go into the uh, movie lounge. Uh, right now would be a good time to stop and watch Shock Treatment. We are watching the 25th anniversary edition, which we've gotten out of the AADL. Thank you, library. Woo, library! Yay, Support your local library. libraries. And uh, we'll be back in just a moment. And we're back! Shock treatment. <laughs> that is as much as we can do that uh, without actually having to pay for it. Yeah, they yep. won't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure that they're just scanning the airwaves of the internet just in case they hear. Yeah. Uh, wow, that was um, that oh was my, fun. Oh my god, that was amazing. Of course, Kim likes all the musicals that we watch. <laughs> uh, oh man, that was. That was really good. Like that. That was uh, as far as like production value and as a film goes. Like yeah, having a narr- narrative, sort of. Sort of. Like yeah, uh, that was. I'd say that that was as far as film quality goes, better than Rocky Horror. I don't know whether I like it better than Rocky Horror. <laughs> I don't like it better than Rocky Horror. Actually, no. I didn't like it very much. Really, I was disappointed. I was really disappointed. Oh my goodness! Tell me why. Like, the plot was just weird and really loose, like, cobbled together. Yeah, well, what plot? The, the but... setting was boring. They the didn't really... were not well-developed. The lyrics of the music were really pushing it. I was reading um, in, on the IMDb that uh, Richard O'Brien actually doesn't like this film because of all the reasons that you're stating. Because they went through many, mm-hmm. so many rewrites just mm-hmm. to get it made. Yeah, and it had seems to like really forced. yeah, cast out to so many of the actors' needs and all of that kind of thing. That yeah, he's like, no, it's the music is the best part for sure. Yeah. Other otherwise, the plot is nothing because we had to rewrite really it. Good. Yeah, the music was great, but when I was listening to the lyrics, I was like, oh, there's such great music. I'm really let down by these lyrics. You oh could definitely, gosh. you could definitely spot. Uh, I'll I at least I could hear a lot of the musical influences both from rocky horror and from different like pop or you know rock songs yeah, there's not no a bad thing this is richard o'brien yeah it's absolutely oh, richard o'brien 100 yeah but yeah they could have the plot was definitely a vehicle vehicle for the music no way around that yeah yeah more so than rocky horror was i think oh yeah i actually really love the lyrics though i think they're like I don't know. I think they're like the perfect kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed them. I didn't think the lyrics were bad. I didn't uh, really pay attention to them that much, except, except for the except for the really uh, weird ones, which I wrote down. Uh, Off collar ones. I mean, I know you, I know you enjoyed. Um, was it Otis Otis Drill and the Bits? 
or Oscar Drill, Oscar, Oscar Drill, drill. Yes, Oscar yeah. Drill and the Bits, which was fairly clever, and uh, they were really. And, oh, it was absolutely a coming out song, and it was, that gay. was the best. So proud of him. Yes, that <laughs> was the. I, that, in my opinion, that was the best song of the whole soundtrack. I, like, I felt like it was a good song. Like, that was a song I would totally expect hearing on the radio or something. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, made it not fit. It wasn't a musical yeah. song; it was an actual song. Well, I, sorry, we're having totally problems. Oh, totally. Just totally, hold still. Totally. Either speak or like. Um, I don't know. I kind of like. Jesus, she's still here, everybody. She did. Oh, listen to that little meow. She did get billed before us, so I'd just like to point that out. Yeah, um, <laughs> she does. It's her big debut, guys. She's so excited. Her big debut, as, uh, I'm as sorry, was debut. mispronounced in the film. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, as for the song, like I, I thought for the moment it was in, it was totally. If it's nope, totally fine, um, I don't. Which one of you said that it was cool that no main characters were. In oh, yeah, that scene, and, yeah, yeah. Like, I got I got most of the way through that song, and I was like, "Hold on, this is a song that has none of the main characters. Like, these are all sub side, like they're not even B characters in this movie. They're, it, they're like C and D characters. Yeah, they're background. It hadn't even yeah. dawned on me until that point that like I was just going along with the movie and the music, you know, just watching it, whatever. And it didn't dawn on me until you said something like, "There's no main characters in here." Like, granted, I, I think in in a way that means there's maybe not be not a point for that song, and they just really liked it and wanted it in there. Um, but I liked the transition. Yeah, it, it made me wonder if they were an actual band. I did wonder that. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Could be. We'll have to look them up. They sounded like an actual band. Yeah. I will say that the music of this is very much more produced than Rocky Horror was. Oh, yes. Yeah. Much more produced. Uh, it, very sing, sing-alongable. Uh, and, and they do do shout, shadow cast to this the same way that they do with Rocky Horror, but less frequently because it's like... Cult, cult, like yeah. subcult. Right. Movie. Yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. The themes in this movie are really weird. Like they don't. They've got a lot of like, I don't know. That like there are themes running throughout. Sure, but like as they just like kind of pick them up and put them down. It's yeah. It's it's really cobbled together. Like Krista said, it's it's kind of what plot and what were we actually trying to go for. Turns out the prediction of reality TV and Trump somehow. Maybe. Yeah. Probably. Yes. Like, yeah. He he is he is a uh, I don't want to say a charismatic TV personality, but he is a cult like TV personality figure. Everybody gets a special hat. Yep. Um, like, oh, this is Farley Flavors, by the way. If you hadn't yes. uh, seen it, Evil Brad. Yes, Evil Brad. Brad's evil twin, literally. A tolerance like, for ethnic races, there anybody? Did anybody catch that? Oh yes, yeah. yes, I caught that uh, when they're introducing the town TV studio town. Yeah, um, Denton. Uh, Denton. Denton. Yeah, Denton, and then the show is Denton Vale, or Denton Vale is the soap opera in the insane asylum. Got it. Okay. Yes, you heard that right, listeners. Um, yeah, so they are introducing Denton, and. Um, well, first thing when you see Brad Majors, your immediate thought is, Janet sure doesn't like too many muscles. Brad looks pretty rough right now. Um, but been a few years. Yeah, yeah. and it was like <laughs> like a lot. It definitely looked like they took some other guy and just put him in a Brad suit. <laughs> it did. Like I yeah. really didn't buy him as Brad. No, and I think a lot of it for me was actually the hair. Yes. Yeah. His hair is fucking ridiculous. That was either a piece or they did something horrible to that man's head. Well, it was the early 80s. Yeah. So both? As you can tell by all of the costuming. Oh, man, yes. Uh, I mean, my my comment, honestly, was early on the um, suits that, like, the TV hosts and stuff were wearing made me want Running Man the Musical. <laughs> yeah. It made me think of of the game show host from The Running Man. Copyright yep. that now, man. Yeah, right? It's probably in the works. Yeah, I don't think Stephen King's gonna let me have that one. <laughs> I don't know. Depends on how depends on how your uh, current musical goes. I guess. I mean maybe Stephen King. He might King, like it. Yeah, Stephen King might be highly amused by Running Man's musical, I don't know. <laughs> I mean he's you know, he he has a sense of humor, so Yeah, yeah. Um and then, uh, you know, they're int- they, the, the number goes on and they're introducing Denton. 
it's a uh you know something along the lines of uh tolerant of the ethnic races which i mean that immediately just pinged the fascist meter for me um yeah. and but then you proceed to see basically the, all white people yeah and the right. cre- yeah. super creepy 50s 60s domesticity um uh white picket fence hedges fake green turf and then uh you've got you know the the cop who wolf whistles at what are clearly a pair of underage girls. Yes, who are also in the band. Who are yeah, also in yeah. the band. Saying that Denton is a real okay town. That's a that's a ringing endorsement to me right there. Real so, okay. <laughs> yeah. So would you say that like Rocky Horror is all about being authentic and, and shock treatment is all about being fake? Then? Ooh. Yes. Ooh. yes absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is, you know, creepy 50s, 60s domesticity up front with the pill popping and heavy drinking out, you know, in the back. You know, you, you, they're constantly sedating their stars and the Brad. Brad gets institutionalized, by the way. Spoiler. Brad um, spends most of this fucking movie institutionalized. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In a straitjacket, yeah. literally being fed sedatives. Yeah, I like, that was weird to me that... Clifty Young, being a Broadway actor, where yeah, you know, that's where they picked him up, has what three songs in this that he's in, maybe? Right, and and two of them probably aren't even his songs fully. He gets no. like one to yeah, himself. Like yeah, you get to the one that's his at the end. Yeah, and it's actually really good. You're like, where was this guy the whole time? Right. But, yeah, it was a lot of Jessica Harper, which she owns this movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Best best voice in the movie, in my opinion. And definitely, like, just musically, just very talented. Just very good songs, like, very Which, easy to listen to. And we, we noted that with Phantom of the Paradise, and Krista did point out that she does do a couple of movies between Phantom of the Paradise, like four or five of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she does quite a few. And she sings a lot, and she gets called a Snow White character in a lot of her movies, and I don't really get that. What? But that was mentioned in a couple of interviews I read. I get it from Phantom... Um, I, get that I kind don't. Of Suspiria too. Yeah, that kind of yeah. They mention Suspiria like that kind of wide-eyed, in over her head kind of a thing. She's, right. She's an innocent in danger. Yeah. Yeah. Not in this one. Not this one. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. No, she kind of goes along with this. She goes into it pretty quick. Well, yeah. like like in Rocky Horror, she was the first to give in as well. Yeah. She's the first with um, Frank, and then she goes uh, full for it with Rocky. Well, I mean, have you seen? Did you see Rocky? Yes, yes. several times. Uh huh. I mean, they they do get into trouble really fast in this movie. I did notice that. Like, oh yeah, yeah. It immediately. It takes a while to really get like into deep shit in Rocky Horror. In this, like, problems start right away. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Too fast for me. My my number one problem, or the number one problem that starts for me anyway, is um, hey kids. What are, let's talk about the five F's. And then you just pans down, and there is a straight up swastika made of the letter F. Yeah. You cannot tell me otherwise. So I'm just like, there are five F's, and they all stand for fascism in this movie. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot and of the, the Nazi yeah, refs the, the in this. Comment. Like, I really felt pretty quickly that they were equating television with fascism. For sure. Like, oh, yes. yeah, absolutely. That was the overarching theme of this. Yeah. yeah. It was very anti-TV, anti-consumerism. Well, the, the dating show or the, the marriage counseling show host was very clearly meant to be like an ex-Nazi. Yes, yeah. Nazi yeah. in hiding. Which, by the way, his face and his neck didn't match, and they didn't match throughout the whole movie. <laughs> like, I just want to throw that out there. It's not like we were ever, you know, seeing him in makeup and then out of makeup. No. My theory is that they actually, you know, to hide his Nazi identity, took his face off and put a different face on, but that face was paler than his neck. <laughs> one of those faces was Nicolas Cage, so you know, <laughs> oh. lost out. And I'm not sure that would have been... When she gets her makeover, they do the same thing to her. They do. Yeah, it's yeah. the Rocky Horror face paint. Yeah. 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 It was, um, it was gross. Yeah. It was, uh, real gross. Um, not so much with Janet, because, well, let's face it, she's a prettier face. But it was real gross with uh, um, uh, Bert. Bert. 
Well, yeah. and I think it would have been less off-putting if he wasn't the only person that had it. Yeah. Yeah. Then it, it just would have been if normal. If it was the aesthetic of the show, fine. It made Though, it more striking when Janet got it. Right. Mm. Though, speaking of gross faces, Charles Gray's smile was entirely too <laughs> wide in this movie. Yeah, he was weird. Like, that was it, definitely wider than his face. Like, like his only... smile crept off the edges of his face. I don't know how he did that. The only thing I could think of with Charles Gray was that it was like he was playing a caricature of the character that he plays in Rocky Horror. That's was, how I felt. He was yeah. doing a goof on the criminologist. Well, and, and Betty did so much, so many, like, actually pretty badass things in this movie. Um, I Betty's just feel... the hero of the movie. She's oh. pretty much the hero. She's the MVP. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> see, and I and kept forgetting she existed. No. She told, like, she's the only but one that got Brad out. But she's the one who came through in the clutch. Yeah. Um, but Charles Gray just felt like a haphazard companion for her. Like, she couldn't do this by herself. She needed, like, well, a love interest, first of all. They were totally, um... Oh, they were gonna bang. <laughs> DTF. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and they just, did, they just didn't get the chance, probably, till the credits. Um... Yeah, because, I mean, they weren't gonna bang on that balcony while, like, you know, while reciting... the ancient marriage. Yeah. Well, he wanted to... But then she, she started was... reading Coleridge, and it was just all Which, over from there. Yeah, and I was like, Talk about a boner killer. Like, what am I supposed to get out of this scene? I don't understand. Nothing. Humor. That's all. Yeah, I did not get that out of that scene. <laughs> Look, jokes still happen, even if they miss. Yeah, that one landed pretty fucking flat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought it was hilarious. I mean, it was funny watch- watching him just head against the rail, sleeping while she recited Coleridge at him. Because only one only ever recites the rhyme of the ancient mariner at someone. <laughs> um, it but, is yeah. inflicted upon you. <laughs> yes, Krista, I know you mentioned that um, Jessica Harper kind of compares this character to her character in Suspiria. Well, it's Suspiria and also Phoenix in Phantom of the Paradise. She okay. saw these characters as being very similar. Um, which yeah, I she get it. seemed to really like playing that kind of character. Yeah. And she obviously likes singing. She released several albums. Right. It's because she's really she's good at really it. really good. <laughs> like, I love her voice. Yeah, I feel like in Phantom of the Paradise, she was on par with everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this one, she was far and above. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Everybody else. Yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe except for Clifton Young, but um, he didn't get but, anything. Yeah. But yeah, you don't know that until the end. Right. Yeah. yeah. I know you mentioned, Greg, that she reminds you of uh, Karen Carpenter. Yeah, we mentioned that in in the Phantom of the Paradise episode. Yeah, Yeah, and I, yeah, I would say Karen Carpenter and um, Janis Joplin, both, I think, Mm -hmm. are very, she has this voice very similar to theirs. Uh, Yeah, I just really enjoyed her in this. Um, She couldn't save the movie, you know? Uh, You know, the music was the best part, so, and she was the best part of the music, so, win. The whole idea of a town being a TV station and, like, there being stars of it and everybody's lives being basically like reality TV just horrifies me. And the more this movie went on, like the more creeped out I got and it definitely, like it wasn't even, it wasn't even by evil Brad or anything. It was just the fact that like, this is a TV station passing off as a town. I don't know. It just, it seriously weirds me out. There's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a lot of uncanny Valley effect uncanny valley stepford wives effect in my opinion especially like the appliance commercials and all that you, you the would, they were yes. singing to the appliances oh, yeah, yeah. bitching in the kitchen yes bitching yeah. in the kitchen and crying in the bedroom all night i believe was the line yeah. yep. um and oh let's not forget um you know just because apparently we couldn't have a sequel to rocky horror without it there is sibling sex yeah yeah Yep. Yep. And it's between the same siblings. The oh, same course. siblings. Yep. I mean, yep. They play different characters, but you know, kind of. Do they? Did they? they? Did they? they? I don't think they well, did. Well, they went back to space, and then they came back to Earth. Uh, and uh, well, oh, when it showed when Betty is going through the computer and it shows their like past identities or whatever and all the places they travel. Oh yeah, when she's hacking. Honest to God, I was like, wait, why are the real names on here? Like, why isn't it? What's up with this? You should totally... This is where you throw in the Rocky Horror thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, throw yeah. in Magenta. Yeah, yeah. Missed opportunity. Magenta. Magenta. Mm-hmm. Well, and apparently Richard O'Brien didn't initially want it to be kind of a, a sequel sequel. He yeah. wanted it to be a sort of sequel. Well, yeah, every time I see it online, it's sequel in quotes. Yeah. Yeah. 
He, he, you can't do a spiritual sequel. Was, or not tagline, but his original, the way he referred to it was, it's not a sequel, it's not a prequel, it's an equal. It's not an equal. Not an equal. It's no. not an equal. It's, I think it's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's great, not but it's equal. not the same thing. I'm not going to go, I'm not, every Halloween, uh, my tradition is not going to be to go see Shock Treatment. It's going to be to go see Rocky Horror. Oh, no, yeah. Plus, then you gotta learn all the call-outs and everything, too, and that's exhausting. Oh, my God, does it have call-outs? It does. Why wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I was yelling at the screen a little bit, you know, just because this movie. Yeah, you were ranting about Ronald Reagan. The dude looks like Ronald Reagan. <laughs> he as, does. As we determined, this what is was about Janet's a dad. president. What was his line? I've never been able to afford a... I've never had time to have a mental breakdown. That's what it was, yeah. I've never yes. been... Yeah, yeah. I've been able to afford to have a nervous breakdown. Never had time to have a mental breakdown. Like, come on. And I was like, oh, that's like something my dad would say to me. <laughs> Except... This just got too relatable. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know that uh, uh, Janet's dad is just medicating himself with scotch and beer. Um, just no, like... there was no beer in the fridge. He was disappointed by that. Right. Well, yeah, he drank it all. Well, clearly. Yeah. Why didn't his wife go get more? Damn, uh, the manly uh, song? It's a fucking the... man's world? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The misogynist <laughs> song with four of the worst salutes that I've ever seen in film. <laughs> that's Lord. What, that's what you hung on to. The salutes. Not any of the lyrics that man said. Look, we would have to recite the whole song to dissect that, and I'm not down for that. Honestly, lyrically, that one was the hardest one to listen to. Yes, absolutely. Because we just disagree with it to our very souls. And I think we were supposed to. Like, it was over the top. Oh, yes. Yes, you're absolutely to go, man, that's supposed to go, man, that was super misogynist. Like, wow, when you put it like that, it sounds terrible. Yeah, it's also super homophobic. Oh, yeah. yeah, yep, yep. Um, oh, right before this, uh, when uh, they do the, uh, the, you win the prize for guessing the diagnosis of uh, infantile regression, um, I just kind of like how that is kind of a, a callback to Brad's last, you know, a few, a few of Brad's last lines in the uh, in Rocky Horror. You know, uh, it's beyond me, help me, mommy. Right. Uh, like, yeah. 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 That was clever. I, I appreciated that. That was uh, probably on purpose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a... I mean, um, but... I, I do feel like we have to talk about uh, Farley Flavor's face. <sighs> it's the face of a serial killer. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, like, you know the scene I'm talking about. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was his O face. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yep. It was his O face. Yeah, oh, yeah. And you like you can't see his hands through most of that song, but he's jerking around a little bit. There is no way Not that he has bit. pants on, and he was jerking around a whole lot. Either he had electrodes attached to his testicles, or he was jizzing all over the place. Ooh, shock treatment. <laughs> <laughs> I did love that damn song. That's it was like, great. I like like the the theme song is really catchy. Oh man, yeah. Um, which I don't think like you know talking about you know how poorly they treated Brad uh, as a character, like just you know not utilizing you know the uh, the voice that they had recruited or that they had hired. Brad in the actual movie, they treat even worse. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. You know, Farley gets to, you know, sit upstairs and, you know, uh, jerk off to uh, the thousand TV monitors that were all playing the same thing there. Yeah. Um, Brad's in a straitjacket and even has a gag on to keep him from doing himself a mischief. <laughs> yeah. Our new favorite phrase. Oh, yeah. This, this movie is very, very quotable. Yes, I wrote down so many. Janet comes in, I just came to tell you how fabulous I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm going to be using that anytime I walk oh into God, work yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, doing yourself a mischief. Like, oh, my God. This movie um, is extremely quotable. The next number, the looking for trade. Yeah. That was my favorite favorite song that, that was a good song really good uh, that was uh, uh, jessica was harper at her best yeah. yes me, me was also pretty good that was good and that yeah. honestly Breakout. that one was the one i think that gave me the most like throwback to her character in phantom of paradise yeah that was a very phoenix song too yeah that's a good point that, yeah i'm a starlet now hey. right mm-hmm. which is a lot of what janet was in this movie was 
being overcome with, you know, yeah. this giant change in her life and suddenly she doesn't have this ball and chain and people are telling her she's fabulous and, you know, everything she's always wanted to be. And, and drugging her, too. And drugging her. Like that, you do with stars. Yeah, that well, was yeah. also a thing in, in, uh, with Phoenix. That's yeah, yeah. true. I mean, I, it's what you do to keep them doing what they do, right? I mean, I, w- I will say my biggest problem with the movie is, and this goes back to, to them not utilizing Cliff yeah. Young, they don't make Farley very interesting. Like, they talk about oh. him in the background a lot, but you don't see him until probably halfway through the movie. Right. Well, He's barely a character. You see him on the TV during his, um... I can't remember what the song was. Uh, yeah, it's the the one where he's basically like, rest up because it's your big debut tomorrow thing. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, you're not looking at a king, you're looking at an ace. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which, Which is another fucking quote great line. Using. That's a fucking great line. <laughs> yeah. You're king, you're looking at an ace. Like, that's great. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's on a television. So I feel like it's not really him. Yeah. Right. Like, right. he's never it, really that intimidating. No. And, and honestly, it's like in, in the in the final song at the end between him and Brad, which is really interesting that it's it's one actor singing right. himself. I love songs like that. Oh, yeah. Part of the reason I love Jekyll and Hyde, like the one actor oh. doing both parts is really interesting to me. That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Two parts. there, like one actor. Yeah. You almost feel that partway through the song, their parts get flipped because it's I think that's Brad, the idea. It's Brad singing about how Farley's a failure when Farley's not the failure. Brad's the failure. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Well, I mean, far. You know, the thing is that what Farley values is like he wants. Well, he wants Janet, obviously. He wants power. He well, he he wants power, but like he want he obviously he wanted. A wife, Janet, in this case, because I think that he was everything. Had yeah, I don't think right. He wanted a wife. I think he wanted what Brad had. It didn't yeah. matter what it was. Right, but it was every quote, everything that had been denied him. Yeah, yeah. Which so apparently, yeah. he's just a woman because he's which, got money, he's got fame, he's got power. He's got his own fast food franchise. He's it's got, very fascist. He has minions. Fascist fast like, food. Wait. You couldn't do it, man. <laughs> you tried. <sighs> is, that, is that the one thing everybody really wants in life is love? Is that who cares about money and love celebrity and, and power? I mean, and lo- isn't love and fascist fast food? Yeah. You, you tried a second time. Didn't totally work. <laughs> no, I was I was doing it on purpose that time. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, isn't that what a ton of movies and books and everything do, though? Is love is the one thing that that person can't get? So like it's it's often the 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 subject yeah. of of the it, person in power's like true desire they have all of this shit but the one thing they can't get money can't buy you love right but yeah, yeah that's such a cliche and I really like turning it on its head mm. and uh, wait yeah. for it I'll write that one there you go <laughs> there you go there you go well and, and well kind of love can get you money uh, according to uh, um the uh, final number yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can do it as employment yes you can. Um, actually, going back to the fascist thing, also the fact that Farley has the German dueling scar. He's got oh, yes. the James Bond oh, you're yes. right. villain scar. Which is just amazing to me. You've got Farley, who is in a suit this whole film, and to show that he's the evil one, you got to have the dueling scar. And a cigar. And a cigar. But it's a really which is cigar, which is weird to me. Like, it's the skinny kind. And let's be real, that cigar is not just a cigar. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, it, like differentiating between him and Brad was never difficult. Right. Like, you don't have to have that many illustrations of how the guy's a bad guy. So here's here's a question. If you didn't know, like, if I didn't tell you that that was the same actor, would you have put that together throughout the beginning of the movie? Nope. I nope. don't think so, no. No. Mm-mm. I really, yeah, they did a good job I was uh, really on that. staring at their faces. Yeah. And... And no, yeah, and to be completely honest, I totally forgot that you had told us that <laughs> that was thing. So, um, uh, twist, totally a twist for me. Yeah, I had forgotten from five minutes previously. Um, oh, uh, my one of my favorite things about this uh, about about the um, costumes is uh, the that number looking for trade. Mm-hmm. They're now all Michael Jackson in the Smooth Criminal video. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was amazing. I loved the costumes in this movie. They're so 80s. Oh, yeah. Ridiculously over top. I loved it. Um, although, like, I don't know if I was meant to be offended by the um, the Chinese-style dress. 
that her mom gives her. That was weird. And it I was. think, yes, just because of how they portray her parents. Well, remember the line, uh, the Far East meets the Midwest? Which, oh, remember yeah. that one? Please yeah. no. Yeah, no, no. List of things not to do that. Um, that's one of many. It's Well, then the two girls in that segment were wearing that same dress. Too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of weird. And then the they were very, very short. The slit was very, very high. And they've got their legs up on the table. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a, a like a dress that I could see in like a 1970s or 80s McCall pattern that you would have gotten it, you know. Oh, oh yeah. are you yeah. kidding? We had them as teenagers that we got from Chinatown. Yeah, no, we loved those. Not saying it's okay. Just saying we did it. Right. So here's here's a thought. Can you can you now, knowing what you know, picture Tim Curry as Farley Flavors? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Why? Because I can picture Tim Curry as anything. Yeah, I could I can I can picture him as a villain, so yeah. Yeah, a musical villain, Tim Curry, yeah. Give it to me. Chalk him right in there. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's not even a question. I can picture him as Brad too, because this Brad had that same hair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's got a point. <laughs> You're right. There's there's Ugh. a weird part of me that wants to see this as like a, a mini series or a long form series done kind of in the style of like Legion, where you don't oh, know God. what's real and what's not and Oof. what's in somebody's head. Oh man. And, oh man, that'd be difficult. Like I think it would be an interesting exploration for some reason. With Musicals oh, with yeah. being a musical or well like the the yeah most, you can have musical numbers yeah I mean the most recent sure. season of Legion has the dance numbers I mean yeah. there's a dance fight in the first episode of season two that's yeah. awesome note to self watch Legion oh, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen Legion it's a, it's no. a head trip but uh, it's got some solid acting and it's really interesting nice and, and I feel like you'd have to do the same thing where like with what Legion does where the actors don't get to know what's real and what's not they just oh. have to play it all. like. They don't tell the actors when they give them the scripts that this is in the, the main character David's head or this is what's actually happening in the real world. So the actors aren't even sure. So, just so they have to play it. it like they don't know. Yeah, they just play everything straight. Because right. Who knows? It could be. And that's nice. amazing. I think even the actor who plays David doesn't know. Ooh. No. In fact, when he went in for his um, wardrobe fitting, he went, wait, what era is this? Yeah. Because different characters wear clothing from different time periods. Oh, okay. Within the 20th century, it's sure. not like Victorian, but 60s, 70s, modern. Well, and, like, the one character wears stuff that's almost from, like, the 30s or 40s. Which one? Um, the, the character who can take them into the past in their heads. Well, I just figured he was a groovy guy. Oh, maybe. He, just he was wears, doing, like, a retro thing. He just wears really swank clothing. <laughs> yeah. He's just a cool dresser. He's he has a cool a, guy. He has kind of, like, that newsboy cap and the vest oh, yeah. and the pant. Yeah. I mean, people nowadays dress like that. Yeah, that's true. hipsters. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you you live in Ipsy. How <laughs> do you... <laughs> yeah. But you also occasionally see him carrying with the Tommy gun around and stuff. Yeah. Well, he the Tommy to gun pitch. fires forty-five caliber bullets at an astonishing rate. It's very effective. Why wouldn't you carry one around if you had the option? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I could definitely see like that style where yeah, like, different characters of different kinds of dress, um, random dance numbers, musical numbers. Yeah, yeah. Not really knowing what's real, what's not. Like if it's in the characters' heads or not, whether or yeah. not it's yeah, happening. I could see that with something in the vein of shock treatment. Yeah. Okay. One of the things that actually I have, I have read about Legion is that people have commented who either are in the. Um, mental health profession or who do have mental health issues, that it is the closest that any form of media has ever come to portraying actual schizophrenia. What it's actually like Ooh. to have schizophrenia. Actual okay. delusions? Yeah. Hmm. Cool. I'll have to check it out. And, and yeah. that lack of ability to tell the difference. Right. Very cool. Speaking well, of mental now health... Now we just did a uh, uh, commercial for <laughs> Legion. Speaking of <laughs> mental health... Um, uh, I will never ever be picked as Miss Mental Health. I'd like to point that out. <laughs> um, I was like... That's a prize Kim is never going to win. Uh, I just want to point out that uh, she's only revealed as Miss Mental Health once she is fed to the gills with pills. Which, by the way, great throwaway line here. Um, when the band leaves Janet uh, a handful of pills to, you know, help her with, uh, you know, having some energy on TV, uh, the nurse picks him up, looks at him, 
tosses him over his shoulder with a a scoff of <laughs> amateurs and then shoves a handful of pills in Janet's mouth. Right. Yeah, that was good. That was clever. Like, like jerks Janet's head back. Oh, yeah. Sh- like, dumps the pills in her mouth and then just snaps the mouth shut. Right, and like, mini Tom Heck, because that's what I'm calling him. Hi, Tom. Um, it, <laughs> it's very nice. Nothing nice. Like, Janet, I'm going to leave these right here for you. Yeah, and it was just like a couple pills. Like, yeah. I'm just going to leave these here. We're cool. Nope. Yeah. He was trying to help her out. Amateurs. Yeah. Yank her you head back compla- like she's a Pez dispenser and shove them in there. You need a complacent star? You shove those pills in. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, she's introduced as Miss Mental Health in, you know, a very um, doll-like condition. Yeah. And then uh, Bert shows up being able to see. Yeah, he's presented even though he on TV could always blind. see. Yeah, he, he was shown as blind the whole time. He was not blind. Um, he, in fact, tried to peep on Janet in the shower earlier in the film. And that's when we, as the audience, find out that he's not blind. Yeah. Of which, course. gross. No, he's just, seriously, he's so gross. Yeah, he's very gross. Um, and then uh, uh, Farley Flavors comes on. Yeah, Farley uh, finally shows up for the last number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and wow, is he channeling Jack Nicholson. He dials yeah. it up to 11 and breaks the knob off. Yeah, I mean, I, I legitimately looked at the the rest of the the hosts here and went, Tim Burton saw this before he made Batman. Right. Like, oh yeah, he did. Uh, uh, but <sighs> what what you know we're talking about before, I guess, is Cliff D. Young actually did model his performance off of Jack Nicholson in other films. Tim Burton, Jack Nicholson. So. Yeah. Who who no matter what Jack Nicholson does is still himself. So it doesn't yeah. surprise me that it's like, Jack Nicholson as blank. It's not. It's not the Joker. It's Jack Nicholson as the Joker. I want to see Jack Nicholson not being Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Watch The Raven, which I think I've shown you. I pr- yes. Is he in yeah. it? Yes. Yeah. He's shown it to me and I don't remember. Yeah. He's the kid. He's the son. Oh, snap. He's okay. so young. It's, he's so young. Yeah. It's like before yeah. he gained the Jack Nicholson, per- before yeah. the personality yeah, took well, him over like Venom. I mean, yeah, it's got to be one of his first roles. He's it's, so young. It's kind of like watching Clint Eastwood on, um, was it Gunsmoke that he was on? Oh was wow! Yeah, yeah, I think like, so. It's it's a pre pre Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, kind of the same thing where he's like this fresh young face who's all like clean and peppy. <laughs> yeah, I mean in in the Raven, uh, Jack Nicholson gets the girl like he's the hot young yeah. stud who saves the girl, and they get all kissy face. Right. I totally forgot about that. Wow. I have to watch that again. We do. Yeah. Like I've I've put that forth as maybe for this show because like. I haven't seen very many Vincent Price movies, but I've seen that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's weird. Yeah. It's appropriately weird. It's got all the greats of wow. horror. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah Abominable Dr. Fives is another probably Cinema Guano one, too. I haven't seen that one. I don't know. That I one. haven't seen it, but I would watch either or both of those. <laughs> my, uh, my, honestly, my favorite is always Theater of Blood, where it's, yes. it's him killing theater critics who have offended him. Through Shakespearean scenes. Oh yeah, we watched that. Today. Yeah. yeah. So That's more good. talented Uwe Boll. Um, honestly, it is the closest. I think it was a British production. It is the closest non-Italian production that I've ever seen to an Italian giallo movie. Fantastic! I'll watch the hell out of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. So the twist at the end is good in that one too. Actually, <laughs> I w- I will absolutely be willing to watch those. Um, let's. Is there anything else? About the movie we just watched. Oh, that's right. Caught our eye. Um, I was thinking last number, definitely like Shades of Meatloaf all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For sure. Channeling that. So I I gotta ask, so for for those of you who didn't enjoy the movie as much, or at all, whatever. So if you were making this movie, if somebody told you, okay, I need you to make this, this sequel to Rocky Horror, how would you have fixed this film? I would not have made this film. Okay, if you were given this film and said, we need to make it more enjoyable, we need to make it enjoyable, what would you add, subtract, change? I would scrap the film. Wow. <laughs> wow, that bad, huh? Like, I, 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 it's like that book I was doing that I can't talk about. Like, I, just, there's n- I don't think there's really any saving it. Oh wow! Oof. I really don't. I it lost me completely, and I started going on my phone, and then then that was entertained. Wow! I, like, I don't know. I feel like if they a had Cliff Young do more, um, yeah, like there were that so would have helped. Disappointments. I think if they'd actually had a a a stronger plot, 
that. Yeah, I mean, you'd you'd have you'd scrap. I'd scrap the film, and I'd have to start over from zero. I'd have to give it a new plot with new characters and new songs. Well, I don't. I think that if they had just kept the plot together, for one thing, there's no. The conclusion is not terribly satisfying. The all all you get is the. Uh, it's, it's, Charles Gray and the uh, Brad and Janet and uh, Benny okay. and the punk band riding off in a convertible, fleeing this presumably continually fascist yes. TV studio. And that's the implication that Denton that Denton stays the same and they escape Denton. Yeah, which doesn't even show like the studio should be collapsing around them as they leave or something. I mean, Rocky Horror. Riff Raff and Magenta got away, and yeah. the other, and, and Brad and Janet and, and um, Dr. Scott yeah. got away, and it was still kind of mutual winning and losing at the same time. Yeah. It was yeah. a stalemate. Yeah, but at I least mean, somebody dies at the end. Well, like, the point of Rocky Horror, I think, was to survive this and get out. Yes. And they succeeded in that. Yeah. Was that the point of this movie? Uh, escaping was part of the point, but again, I think it, was. it wasn't I terribly satisfying. Escaping yeah. was the point for Brad. Right. Everybody else, it was just like, well, this is where you wanted to be in the first place, and your so your association with Brad and realization that this was just Brad's evil twin twin being a dick is the only thing that separates you from the smiling, heavily medicated crowd that is uh, all you know hopped up on fascism and uh, sugar and probably yeah, like, and I, most likely cocaine let's yeah, be like, real I here. wasn't sure what point they were trying to make like are they saying over medication is bad because there was a lot of that um yeah are they saying like bromance is bad or work on your marriage or <laughs> mental health is bad no i think it was more the shoving all of that out into the, out, out for public consumption via things like television especially like I, I guess I would call it, this is like proto-reality TV. That's what's bad, um, is is relying on television to provide you your reality. I'm going to end that in a question mark, because it's not a fully thought out statement, but it's the one I'm going to make. And like with Betty, the reason I kept forgetting she existed is because, well, she didn't sing, for one, and this was a musical. She didn't, yeah, right? She didn't, yeah. And her whole thing was trying to save Brad, but I didn't know why she cared, for one. I know they used to be friends, kind of, maybe. Yeah. Um, um, I know... I mean, Brad was at her wedding. Yeah. She and Charles Gray's character were going to bang, by the way. Just, well, it was going to happen. So, Gray's concern for Brad probably had something to do with it as well? Well, they, they had this suspicion that, that there was some kind of conspiracy going on from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Right. Like in their first scene, they go, oh, there's something wrong here. Right. When we they're in, in the that, middle of it. Yeah, when they're in that faux diner or whatever, the research lab. Right. And then they get they get kicked off the air. They lose their show. Right. And Brad shows up kind of in the middle of this. So they actually are already partway through their story when this story starts. Well, Which, he, well okay, he, well, there wasn't a song about it, so that was not made apparent to me. I, yeah, and, and I think that's kind of where the plot loses it and needs it needed a good... As long as this movie was, it needed a decent, like... 10 minutes more to like fill in some of those plot gaps because it was very we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this we're done exposition it needed a criminologist but he didn't want to fucking do it because there's like the scene where betty and the criminologist go off on their date and she's spouting rhyme with the ancient mariner and it's like okay why are we doing this why are we doing this what is this supposed to be telling me about their characters um it was supposed to be funny it wasn't, well, it was and it wasn't. It should have been cut. But it, it, should have it been didn't replaced. add anything. It should have been replaced with something more plotty. I, yeah, if they're going off together, I'm expecting them to be, like, plotting or yeah. talking because they go off someplace quiet away from everybody. It's like, well, clearly you're going to be doing something important. Nope. Well, also, there was at least one musical number that could have been cut if, or at least shortened. The, uh, whatever, good night, time to go to sleep one. That was a fairly oh, yeah. long number. And, like... And didn't need to happen yeah, that much. Yeah, like, that was... I thought that was a good song. I thought that was a neat scene, the way that they did it. The, yeah, the way but, it was shot with yeah. them going back and forth to the, to the windows was cool. And, you know, it had some had some humor to it. Yeah, but it, it didn't need to be that long. It didn't further the plot. 
Yeah. It didn't further the narrative at all. And they, like, like I said, they could have just cut time off of that without actually cutting the whole thing if they wanted to. Yeah. It just, it, it, I think, I think the film could have used one more rewrite. (laughs) (laughs) But I still, like, I don't think the film knew what it was trying to do. No. And, and like I said earlier, like Richard O'Brien felt the same way was, yeah. It got hacked too many times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like, it just got hacked too many times. It needed. Because there were some neat things, especially they did some interesting things with cameras. Like when he's, when Richard O'Brien, whatever his character's name is, is holding up the mirror and Janet is there and she like walks forward and they, mm-hmm. cool. that was a great shot. Like, that was yeah, cool. She's like, his good body. job, cameraman. Yeah. That, right? was, that was phenomenal. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that there is a technique in place to, to accomplish that, but mwah, Well, pretty. that's another thing yeah. that kind of made me think of. Phantom of the Paradise, because there's a lot with mirrors in that movie, there is, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have that dance number with the mirrors, too, in this movie. Oh, yeah. 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 Which I was still wondering, like, how many mirrors got broken in rehearsal? Uh, there were, there were, <laughs> Maybe there that's why this... There was one song about fashion, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Yes. Yes, there, uh, there was. I love that every song had had its own little theme and not just like plot wise but like there's the appliance song or there's the fashion song or, <laughs> or there's, there's the everyone is going to be a nurse in the future song or there's or the std like song whatever yes um, the std song. That's, that's something i really like every song had its own world to it i can't wait to have the soundtrack guys <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised you didn't already put it on your phone because we had to record i'll do it later <laughs> on the way home yeah well, on, on that note, does anybody have anything else before we do our uh, guano rating? Uh, oh, I was just super sad at the beginning that Ralph and Betty separated. Oh, yeah. Yeah? They're, yeah, they got yeah, divorced, and I was, was sad about that. too. I wasn't sure what those characters were exactly. They supposed. seemed like, perfect. They were clearly a foil for Betty and her new beau. Yeah. But, like, their plot didn't go anywhere either. No. No. I don't think it necessarily needed to, though. Ralph was just... Well, and Ralph loses his woman at the end, too. Suck it, Ralph. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um... Yeah, let's go ahead and do the water rating then, Aaron. One through five. Uh, well, it does have a semi-cohesive narrative. I would say two and a half, maybe three. Maybe three. I'd say three. I'd, I'd give it a solid three because it's still reminiscent of Rocky Horror in that they say some shit that's just weird and <laughs> way, way the hell off topic, but also funny. Okay, well, I want to try to look at this as with, like, the eyes of someone who, again, like, doesn't go to Rocky Horror often and doesn't bring her own props. Um, and in, in the sense of, of, like, a standalone, just, like, a standalone movie, because it's not a sequel, I would have to give it a three, which I think is my highest rating so far in this show. You guys gotta get weirder for me. It's not weird enough, guys. I got you. Sweet. I, I'm so excited. Um, I don't know. I, it's because of the choppy plot, because of the non-sequelness about it, I think it is just weird enough that, yeah, it's, it can be, as you can see by this table, very divisive. Weird in a way that I loved. Weird in a way that Krista did not. So... <laughs> Well, I think it hurts that it's called a sequel. Like, if it hadn't been Brad and Janet, Absolutely. that would have been a lot better. Yeah. If because they had I'm just expecting the characters from the previous movie, and that's right, just, right. that's not what I was They're thinking. not even the actors. If they had so. just tried to make a spiritual sequel to Rocky Horror, yeah. or something that, like, has loosely to do with the plot of Rocky Horror, would have been fine. They even could have kept Betty and Ralph, and it just would have been like, ha! Oh, yeah. It but. could have been, like, their spinoff movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? It's, it's in the Rocky Horror universe. Oh my god, we're making a universe. Sorry, go on. Rocky Horrorverse. Um, I give it a four. Wow, okay. Because I couldn't follow it. Yeah, I, I had a really hard time following this movie. It's not Head by the Monkeys, which would be my five. For the, I've, said, <laughs> I've said that before, I believe, on this show. I will yeah. emphatically stand behind that. Um, but yeah, this is a four for me. It's just... Wow. It's weird, it's yeah. loose. They didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And it showed, and I just, no. Nice, I love it. All right, yeah. Acceptable. And- what about you, Greg? Um, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna agree with you guys, actually. I'm gonna go with a three. Um, so just below uh, Escape from Tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, which I think was my four. I might have to change my vote for Escape from Tomorrow. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, snap. See, the more that we watch these movies, I think our scales, like, get skewed. Because we're like, no, yeah. I gotta go back to the earlier I, ones. I, I gotta I, change my opinion. Escape from Tomorrow was a four, but this one, I think, tops it. Nice. 
call it four and a quarter, four and a yeah, half. Maybe. Yeah, four and a quarter, four no, and a half, four somewhere and a half. in there. It's not that bad. Okay, four and a quarter it is then. Um, sold. And, and <laughs> like I, I dug the concept. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it conceptually. Um, a lot of the stuff is. I mean, the, the plot is very incidental. It's it's a series of vignettes. Yes. To a certain degree. Honestly, I wish they'd done it that way. I uh, wish they'd done it episodically if they were going to do... If well, if they had polished this the way it was supposed to be, I wish that they had done it And And that's what I was expecting was a series of vignettes because it kept saying TV shows and that's they're not TV shows. No, it was one TV show eventually. Kind like of. And it was Denton yeah. and that was it. It all started to bleed together, basically. Yeah, well, it bled together really quickly and I was expecting it to be a series of vignettes. Like, right. just based on the description on the back of the DVD, that's what I was expecting and that's, that's not what it is at all. No. All right, well, that is, that is I think, our review of um, Shock Treatment. Aaron, Kimmy, you guys got anything that you're uh, promoting right now? Uh, Solar Punk stories are going to be submitted by the end of the month, and... Um, Jimmy's making a face. Uh, yeah, we're working on it. <laughs> my Solar Punk story is going to be submitted by the end of the month. So will mine. And uh, I've got uh, Lich Better Have My Money, uh, you know, uh, cooking away, and... Um, you know, a couple, three other ones that I'm considering. Uh, I've got some that I want to revise for submission and, uh, you know, a couple of other ideas floating around because I always get new ideas before I finish the ones I have because that's how my brain works. Hopefully Chris and I will have a blog up soon with a bunch Ooh, of posts yeah. on it. Yeah, we're finally there. It's been like yeah. a year and a half. I've been doing a lot of research over the last year. Yeah, um, and I'm finally compiling it into several blog posts to debut with, so... Look for that hopefully soon. Uh, I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to tell you the name of it yet because Ooh. it's very much searchable. So yes, <laughs> we yeah. will wait. It's not oh, okay. currently present. Yeah, if you search for the name, you'll, it pops up like yeah. first thing. So. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> Christy, you got a new book coming out? Well, I have a new short story coming out. Um, I forget what it's called, though. <laughs> Excellent. Cogs something. Where? Carriages? Oh, uh, Cogs Crowns? Yes, Cox crowns and carriages. carriages. Yes, it's uh, where the light comes in. Yeah, the story is where the light comes in. It's based on the myth of Aphrodite and Hephaestus, actually. Um, Which is just the cutest. It is cute. I think it's cute. Um, Yeah, that'll be out in November. So that's it'll it'll be a while. while, But but you'll see me advertising that. And I realize there's one project I've been doing for months now, and I've never mentioned it. The first Monday of every month, I post the bisexual book club. Um, it's hashtag Me? bisexual book club. Yeah. And I post, I read or listen to or somehow consume a book that I consider bisexual in some way, some fashion, and then post like six to eight questions about it to get people thinking and discussing it and talking about bisexuality in literature because we exist and we've always existed. Some of the books are from the early 20th century. That's Woo! awesome. So that's something I'll be, I need to find a book for that. But it ranges from, there's a book of poetry, there's young adult, there's set books from the early 20th century, um, memoirs, so there's nonfiction too. So that's been a fun project I've been doing since last summer. All right. Uh, and uh, my next thing is uh, Dispatches from the Dumb Decade Yeah. Uh, with Neighborhood Theater Group here in Ypsilanti, Michigan. So that's going to be uh, March, the first two weekends in March. Uh, we'll be doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, first weekend in March, and Friday and or excuse me, Saturday and Sunday, the second weekend in March. Uh, both Sundays will be matinee shows. Uh, NTGIPSY.org is the website. You can get tickets there. It's going to be a great show. It's actually written by one of our uh, previous guests, Aaron Dean. Uh, and this is the full production. Uh, they've previously done this one as a workshop production, and yeah. uh, the changes have been really kind of interesting. I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing the changes. But, uh, it, so was, was, it was such a nostalgia trip seeing the first one because it takes place during my college years about college students. Right? All right. So like just the nostalgia was like, oh my god, yes, I forgot all of this. Thank you so much for bringing it back to me. <laughs> yeah, I um, I'm really excited to see the changes because, I mean, the work the workshop was, it was great. It was hilarious when it was not getting uh, disrupted by parades outside. <laughs> I didn't see that one. Yeah, I don't think I was at that one either. No, yeah, last time they got um. Uh, they had Pride going on right outside the door. Oh. Yeah, they had yeah. Pride going on right outside the door the first night, and yeah, apparently it was kind of a nightmare. Oof. Obviously, I, I didn't go to that one because I was at Pride. Right. Exactly. Hey. 
Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I was the technical director on this show, so come out and see some cool sets and a great cast. This is probably one of the biggest casts we've worked with. So all right, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, like Aaron, I'm in the middle of finishing up that solar punk story, trying to crank that out before the end of the month. Trying to, trying to. I have so many other deadlines. <laughs> no. And uh, then, as I mentioned last episode, uh, I just got tapped to finish up the musical that I've been working on, Benistopheles, The Last Days of Gulita Graves, uh, which is a Faustian tale that takes place on the set of a late-night horror show. And that's why I think that Stephen King would love it. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I um, bet he would. So we'll be doing that one a year from April as a workshop production. Woo! So, yeah. I'm so excited for that. Uh, it it sounds so much fun. Well, See I how mean, it goes, man. It'll be great. On that note, uh, thank you for listening to Cinema Guano. Uh, please uh, like us on Facebook, facebook facebook.com slash Cinema Guano. Follow us on Twitter at Cinema Guano. And uh, take a visit over to our website, cinemaguano.blogspot.com. And, of course, uh, please sign up for our Patreon. Help make the podcast a little more self-sufficient. Uh, it is cinemaguano. Uh, it's patreon.com slash cinemaguano. Yes, it is. And with that, confused? Just watch it again. Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs>